Praise the Lord, everyone. God bless you, and it is a blessing and a privilege to be with you again. What a wonderful Resurrection Sunday, a wonderful, as we would say in um, more secular circles, Easter Sunday. God blessed us tremendously. I'm so encouraged uh, just by uh, the reports and the feedback that we've received, not just from this part of the vineyard, but all over the country, all over our world. The Lord was uh, tremendously glorified in the presentation of the gospel. And so we are grateful and we are extending our appreciation as a, as, a, as a pastor and as a Christian. I want to say to all of you all that we're not able to gather together in a traditional manner. What an effective way to present the gospel over Resurrection Sunday. Join me as we pray and we thank God for the opportunity to present the gospel during this past weekend in the manner in which it was presented. Although we were limited physically, spiritually, I believe we had a ripple effect uh, that has been unprecedented. That is a term that I would like to use unprecedented. I was looking through social media and I believe that uh, one of our, our wonderful pastors in the Virginia area, Elder C.J. Hoyle, he put up a, 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 he had a representation on his social media page and he said that uh, this, this year uh, people increased their uh, ability to talk to uh, the, the folks around them in their communities that were tuning in. He said it was almost a 100% increase in terms of saturation. So for every 10 people, that meant that we, would re we were reaching 20 people. For every 20 people, we were reaching 40. For 100, we were reaching 200. What a blessing. That is exactly what needs to take place during this time in this particular season, not just because of the nature of our physical or biological challenges, our challenges in our natural world, but spiritually, we're in a tough place as well, and we want to be washed in the blood of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We want to be washed and cleansed. The Bible says through the blood of Jesus Christ, he can blot out the sins and the transgressions that have been stated before us. And what a blessing it was this weekend to present Jesus Christ. Pray with us right now. Father, we are so grateful that you have empowered us with this great gospel, Lord, and you've given us the great commission to share this gospel to every creature all over the world. We thank you, Father, for in these trying times, what a blessing, what a way to spend the 2020 uh, Resurrection Sunday, what a way to spend it. Lord, figuring out ways to get this message to as many people as possible using, Lord, our new technology. You made that possible. You engineered those circumstances, and we're grateful. We pray your, your grace and your mercy upon us, even as we still continue to struggle with this biological phenomenon, but we are eternally grateful. You're good in every circumstance. We will bless you at all times. Your praise will continually be in our mouths. 
We pray and ask that you would continue to comfort, continue to heal, continue to strengthen all of those that have been commissioned by the states and governments, Lord, to continue to fight this great pandemic. I pray that you would cover your people and the church and even God, that you would continue, Lord, to move us to that place where we can be together again, Lord, in worship and spirit and in truth while we're here in this earth or whether it is that we are with you in heaven, caught up to meet you in the air. Bless as only you can in your mighty and matchless name. We pray the name of Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. God bless you. It is good to be with you again. I just want to reiterate coming to you from um, region one uh, under the leadership of Apostle H.A. Moultrie. We're coming to you from the Mission Church in Somerville, Massachusetts, where I'm pastoring uh, Bishop uh, Malcolm Mitchell here. Uh, just reaching out to you and extending blessings in the name of Jesus. We're grateful that you have been uh, with us and you've been tuning in with us for all of the saints, all of the leadership, all of those that have been working on the technical aspects, the music aspects, all of those that are working. We're meeting constantly, just doing administrative things, trying to figure out what comes next and how to keep things moving forward with the church and uh, with the gospel. Uh, We've just been meeting, 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 meeting. It's almost like the Lord put all of our natural lives on hold so we could attend to kingdom business. Didn't the Bible say, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and everything you need, he will add unto you. What a blessing and a privilege. And we talked this Sunday while we were in our uh, communion service, excuse me, in our resurrection day service, pardon that um, misspeak. We were, we were in our resurrection day service and we talked about that God complex and the God consciousness. And you have to marry those two things together. Jesus had to do it. When Jesus was ready to go into his ministry, He separated himself from everyone and then he went off into the wilderness and Satan tempted him. If you are the son of God, then make this happen. Make that happen. Make this happen. And you know, Jesus had to stand up and say, it is written. You don't make the plans for my life. I am God. I've been assigned to do a work for the kingdom and you have nothing to do with it. And we're grateful for that example because we know that we have to marry our God consciousness. The idea that God put us here to our God complex. How are we like God? What is it that makes me like God? It's not just in my own natural pursuits, but I have to make sure that I marry those two things together to create a life that produces supernatural and a divine ministry. That is what it is. When you are filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost and saved, that is a supernatural phenomenon. It's an event that you will not ever forget. No one will ever be able to tell you what salvation should feel like after you've been baptized in water and spirit. God will fill your soul and the words that come out of your mouth will be in an eternal language. You will never forget. No one will ever be able to make you dispute whether you are saved and sanctified and called to the work of the Lord and serving him in the church. We preached about it on Sunday. Jesus knew that the church would be able to stand up because he had gone to that place of eternal judgment and he had spoken his word and his purpose and he let out all of the saints that were captive in the past before the cross. He led them out. The many, many preachers preached over the weekend that he preached a revival and then he He got up out of the grave and led those spirits, those human spirits that were captive there. He led their character and their passion away from from an eternal condemnation. And he brought them back with him 
and himself and those spirits. The Bible says if we read them and we continue in faith, we will be able to produce works that are greater. So marry your God complex to your God consciousness with the baptism in Jesus name, a public statement with that you, the Bible teaches that you have to tarry. That comes from the word tar. It means stick to your relationship, your passion, stick to it. Terry means to, it means to put something together and wait for it to be sealed. That is exactly where we get the word Terry from the first three letters tar. So if you make a commitment throughout this season to become a Christian a stronger Christian, a better Christian, get baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, get that Holy Spirit, call Terry, that's what we call it, stick to it, tune in to your church services. When we're able to go back out, make sure that you fill up a church somewhere, whether it's here, whether it's where you are, make sure that you're in a church and you're dedicating your life to doing the things that God has commissioned you to do while you're here. Marry your complex to your consciousness and you too will become a first fruit. You will become a person who carries the spirit of Jesus Christ. You will no longer be conformed to this world, but you in fact will have characteristics and features that make people say he or she must be a Christian. God bless you. We hope you enjoyed what happened on this Sunday. We hope that you were encouraged and inspired, and we hope to see you when we get back together. We want to encourage you and to remind you to be obedient to all of the restrictions. There's a reason why we're doing this. We want to isolate COVID-19, and then we want to kill and destroy COVID-19. That means we don't want any new transmissions. So if this thing takes two weeks to transmit, if we all stay in place and we're not spreading the germ and transmitting the germ to a new host, it will die out in the host that it is in. We will be able to put it in a place or in a person where we can isolate and then make sure that that germ doesn't get out. It's important that we obey these principles. This is no time to be hyper-spiritual. There are lots of testimonies where God has been merciful. People were unaware of the, the, the effects of this pandemic. They were unaware of how this germ attacks the body and the Lord was merciful and gracious in many cases. And in many cases, some people have gone home to be with the Lord. They are now reaping their eternal reward. And if it was their time, we certainly bless the Lord because we know that God's rewards in heaven are far greater than anything we would have down here on earth. So we're not discouraged, but we are saying that if God has work for you to do, don't put yourself in an, in an intenable situation. We want you to be able to continue to do the work that God wants you to do. We don't want you to suffer needlessly or unnecessarily. So please be obedient and stay in place. Do not go to gatherings. Don't go out with your family. For some of you, you're already compromised because you have to move about, maybe for your job, maybe in other circumstances, the germ can transfer, transmit easily. Be obedient, sit tight. And in about a week or two, maybe a month, we should be able to make some progress in terms of getting back together again. Wash your hands and make sure that you're following all the guidelines uh, regarding this uh, COVID-19. God bless you. We hope that you enjoyed the presentation and we got everything together on our website. 
What a blessing to go to the website. Everything that you need is right there. Just one click away. We clicked this uh, Resurrection Sunday. Elder Wright brought us a wonderful sermon just telling us about the nature of Jesus Christ and his sacrifice and what happened to him on, on Calvary and how he rose again. What a wonderful prayer. What a wonderful presentation. After that, we spent time in what we now call just temporarily our virtual fellowship hall saying praise the Lord to one another. It was a blessing and a privilege. Then I had the opportunity to jump into youth church. We're about to make youth church go further than it's ever gone before. We'll be using, uh, we, we've just now introduced some resources. We're going to use the children's Bible. We're going to have presentations. We're going to have some singing and some, some interactive activities for the young children. You, you want to make sure that you get your child up and on our youth church. Christian enrichment was amazing. I was in there listening to them discuss about love and the sacrificial nature of love and how you serve and how you continue to give even when you've been offended as Jesus was offended when they turned their back on him at Calvary, when they walked away from him because he didn't do what they expected him to do. What a blessing. That lesson just overwhelmed my heart. I was listening there. My children were up. They were watching. They were engaged and it was just a wonderful way to present the gospel on Resurrection Sunday. So you want to tune in. And next week, we're going to have Sunday school after a wonderful event, a wonderful the events all that take place. Before that, at the Sunday school will take place in the afternoon. You can continue to discuss the principles of the word. You're going to have already a curriculum in place. And I'll tell you, you all tune in, talk it up and get excited. And let's make sure that the gospel is moving forward in Jesus name. But the Lord has blessed us. We've been here talking about the principles of prayer. That is where we ended up last week. We, we didn't get through the entire lesson, but we want to just recap a little bit about what we did. And so we want to begin talking about the purpose and power of Holy Spirit led prayer. It's one thing to pray as an individual. It's another thing to pray and be led by the power of the Holy Spirit, to let the Holy Spirit set the agenda and the table and invite you to have your intellect stimulated and to have your, 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 your perspective shaped and focused. It is a beautiful thing to have spirit led prayer. And so we started with the scripture from the gospel, according to Matthew chapter 26, we began at verse 38, where Jesus right before he was taken by the religious leaders to be tried and persecuted. He, he says these words, then Jesus said unto his disciples, my soul is exceeding sorrowful even unto death. Now, why would that happen? Because we went over last week. The soul is the hard drive of your life. It is the place where you will process every experience in eternity. Your soul will only attach itself to memories and experiences where God himself manifested his goodness and his eternal love for you. That is why your soul remains dead until you receive salvation. You can call things your soul. You can call your heart your soul, your mind your soul. You can call your emotions your soul. 
but your spiritual soul, that part of you that comes from God when he made man and he blew the breath of life into the nostrils of man. The Bible says man became a living soul. He had the capacity to organize his thoughts and persons around all of the parts of man, natural, spiritual, all of the parts, mental. He could organize them around his soul and see that God works everything out for the good to those that are called according to his purpose. That is why your soul will capture every moment. Now, Jesus says his soul is sorrowful because he realizes now, he is accepting now that he will have to become sin for us and his soul will not process what happens to him on the cross. His soul, because he becomes sin. When Jesus died, he had to become sin and he said, Father, why have you forsaken me? That was a cry from his soul. His soul was saying, I find no value or benefit in my human nature for what is happening to me on Calvary. We don't deserve this. Jesus didn't deserve to die, but he decided to die so that he could save humanity. So before these experiences, Jesus is teaching us how we have to be able to distinguish between our human nature and our spiritual nature. And he writes, and he went a little further and fell on his face. And he had, again, spirit-led prayer. Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, I have engaged my will. That was the first Bible study that we had together. We talked about the power of the will. I have organized my life and my plans to be able to fulfill the ministry that you've given me. This is why good Christians organize their life and their plans so they would be able to fulfill the ministry. Church is a part of organizing your life. It allows you to come together with people and worship together with people. It allows you to prioritize publicly your relationship with Jesus Christ. Church is a blessing. Jesus designed the church so that you would be able to have experiences where your soul is moved. People could testify about the power of God away from the church so that when you come into the church, you will receive new experiences, new perspective, and you will have a different type of faith. That is why Jesus said, nevertheless, not my will, but let thy will be done. I've worked miracles. I've had experiences with people. I know that you have empowered me to do what it is I need to do because I've already had miraculous experiences that have proven it to me. Your faith has to have experience behind it. When you're faithful, the Bible says, in the little things, God leads you to an opportunity to be faithful over much bigger things. And that is the power of the gospel. So remember here what we taught last week. Jesus acknowledges in his soul that his spiritual goodness will reject his natural goodness. His spiritual godliness will reject his natural goodness. Spiritual godliness here, natural goodness, no matter how good you are, all your righteousness is as filthy rags. All of your 
charitable works is as filthy rags. The works that God has for you start with his sacrifice on the cross. So Jesus realizes, I have the power to heal the blind. I have the power to remove disease. I have the power to bless people and take them out of poverty. But that's not why I'm here. I am reminded daily in my prayer life, in my relationship with the Father, that although I produce these things, I am here to bring salvation to the lost. Every Christian should know that our ultimate mission is to bring salvation to people that don't know how Jesus Christ can get them eternal life through his sacrifice on Calvary. That is what every Christian should be doing. So the principles we need to remember, Jesus' prayer was not to avoid the cross, but to escape the anxiety that is caused by sinful flesh. Your flesh will create anxiety. Your flesh will always have you worried because you're human. It will have you worried. It will make you consider your next steps. You have to learn how to mortify the actions of the flesh. You can't stop your flesh from communicating with your heart and your mind and having thoughts that go a little bit back and forth, but you have to stabilize your mind by focusing on the sacrifice that God has commissioned you to make for him. That is how you mortify the deeds of the flesh. Didn't the Apostle Paul teach in Romans chapter, chapter 6, 7, and 8? He said, if you follow the Spirit, there is no condemnation. He said, if you follow the Spirit, you will live. But if you follow the flesh, if you're carnal-minded, it is the enemy of what God is trying to do, and you will die. Those are the words of the Apostle Paul. So the principles of prayer. Jesus said, watch and pray so that we will not enter temptation. The Spirit is always willing, but be careful because the flesh gets weak. So what we do when we pray is we invite God's intervention and what it does for us is it invokes God's supreme authority. What we do when we pray, we recognize the power of the Holy Spirit, but what it does for us is it rebukes our dependency upon human skill. We acknowledge God that he is God and that we need his help and we are okay with needing his help because once he helps us, he will strengthen us and empower us and we will be a new creature. Behold, if anybody be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things pass away. All things, all opportunities and experiences become new. So effective prayer, we talked about it last week, functionally is regularly scheduled. Prayer in the spirit moves in discipline. Ineffective prayer is moved with desire. We talked about that. You train yourself to pray. You train yourself to pray before you eat. You train yourself to pray before you drive in your car. You pray, you pray, you train yourself to pray before you leave your house. These are all opportunities that invite prayer into your life so that you can continue. If, if it is God's will that you continue the work, you invite his angels in with prayer. Some things you'll never even know were supposed to go wrong because the angels are empowered. You've empowered your angels to protect you. And sometimes we get knocked upside the head if we don't follow the obedient command to pray over everything 
in all things, not just in our desires or our stresses. Prayer should be a discipline. Make a regularly scheduled time to pray. Pray in the morning. If that is your position, pray in the morning, every morning. If you are in a specific season where you need a specific revelation, get up earlier than you ever have and pray for a specific amount of time or specific number of days. Pray every evening. Pray. Make sure that you have a routine in prayer that disciplines your life to follow a pattern of prayer so that you can be empowered by prayer, not driven by every desire that's in your flesh. Praying because you want something, praying because you're in trouble. That is not an effective prayer life. Discipline over desires. Philippians 4, 6, be careful for nothing. Never function in anxiety. That is not the purpose of prayer, but in everything by prayer and supplication, look for the supply that God has already granted you. Let your thanksgiving bless him because if he called you to do something, he will empower you to do it and let your requests be made known unto God. So we know that prayer has to be regularly scheduled. We also know that prayer respects grace. Effective prayer is regularly scheduled and it, it respects grace. We know that praying in the spirit produces a repentant readiness. It is ultimately important that you recognize when you pray, you become somebody that God can use. It is not because you were born or you possess. It is simply because you are making yourself available. We sing the songs. We have to practice what we say. Lord, I'm available to you. My storage is empty and I am available. I have emptied myself of all of the ideas that would keep my mind and my heart captivated in entirety. I am cleaning out a part of my intellect and a part of my humanity. I recognize I still got to do the things that I need to do as a person, but I'm acknowledging that if there are any appointments that I have to make for you today, I'm available. Just reveal them and I will figure out a way to get there. And if there's anything in my way, I know that you will give me the strength to overcome it. That's why prayer moves mountains. So many scriptures in the Bible advocate for praying and, and therefore giving you the power and the ability to move forward. God never said that you deserve it. God never said that you were better. God never said that you were more qualified. He said, while you were without strength, Christ died for the ungodly. So recognize that regularly scheduled prayer puts you in a position where you are available and it respects repentant God, I'm ready to go through it again. I want another attempt, repeated attempt, readiness. I'm ready. What, what we have to avoid in our prayer life is praying in the flesh, having that false humility, always talking about our unworthiness, always second guessing our ability to do something, being afraid to move forward, Put a plan on the table. If the plan has holes and faults, the people that God puts around you will help you deal with it. Prayer should help you develop the ability to get critical feedback. If you think you know everything 
already, you're in trouble. You have to have a hearing ear. The more people God can surround you with that have skills you don't possess, the easier it is for him to prosper you. The more you think you possess everything within yourself, the more complicated it is for God to get into you what is already there. So listen, if you're available to God, empty your storage, let God show you, point out where you don't have enough ability to earn the money that you need or lead the people. It's okay to have God put you in a position where he can prepare you for the work at a later time. That is what prayer does. Read the Old Testament. People spent hours and days and years in prayer before the Lord. 40 years it took Moses for one calling, 40 years for another calling, 40 years for his final calling. It is okay to spend time in prayer. Let's look at what the Bible taught us last week. The prayer of faith shall save the sick. The Lord will raise you up. The, the prayer of faith will heal you where you are suffering from the iniquities or the inabilities that exist in your flesh. People will pray for you. They will help you to get better. And it says, if you commit sins, it is the prayer life that you have. It is the prayer partners, the groups, the things that you're in that show your inability to be able to follow the principles of God. We can't change the rules in the middle of the game. The Bible stays the same. When people offend you, the Bible stays the same. When people let you down, the Bible stays the same. I know that we have terminology out there that's not biblical. Well, I'm just going to put my Holy Ghost on the shelf. Or, well, the rules change for me because I'm here and you're here. Or, you did this yesterday and now I'm doing this today. These are not biblical principles. Biblical principles don't change. You either do right and get blessed or you do wrong and climb uphill. That is the principle. Jesus recognized it in his flesh. We certainly need to recognize it in our flesh because here's what the scripture says in James chapter five, verse 16, confess your faults one to another, pray for one another that you would be healed of your infirmities because the effectual fervent prayer of people that want to do it right. Right means by the Bible not your interpretation of the Bible, by the Bible. The Bible doesn't need a personality or a character. The word of God is personality and character all by itself. Which leads us to our last point that we're gonna make tonight in this um, presentation of, of the power of spirit-led prayer. We wanna talk about effective prayer being real. It has to be real. Effective prayer, praying in the spirit is rooted in the realistic. Now, let me share with you what, where I'm going with this. So, I'm a teacher. And let's say on average, I have 30 kids. So 30 kids come into my classroom. About 10 of those students that come into my classroom, they've been prepared by their parents. They have the social capital to walk into my classroom and engage me with whatever information that I have to present to them. About 10 of them are ready to engage me. Another 10 
uh, or lack a little confidence, right? This is just on averages. About 10 are ready to engage me. 10 are nervous because they're, they're confident that they are, they've already learned something, but now they're saying, oh, why do we have to switch up? Why do we have to learn something new? I just got used to what we were doing, and now Mr. Mitchell's coming with something different. And then we have another set of 10 that totally have no idea what's going on, and they need to be redirected. They need to be, they need, they need me to give them the strength and confidence that they didn't bring into the classroom. Now, no matter where you are on that spectrum, from the, the student that needs constant attention and direction, to the student that just needs a little confidence boost, to the student that knows what they're doing, my job is to present information to you that you do not yet have the ability to work with. That is my job. It is to introduce a little bit of confusion, not confusion in the sense there's no solution to the problem, but to show you that the world is bigger than your mind at this point. That is what we do. As a teacher, I have to bring you to a place that you're not yet familiar with and then let you use the skills to connect with that environment. Now, if I do that effectively, then what happens is I start to see personalities. Kids that really don't do well, that actually I'm able to work with them and build up their confidence, they're like, yes, I understand. The kids in the middle are like, well, I always knew I was capable. This, I've, I've accomplished my goal, I feel confident. And then the kids that are already there, they feel like, well, this was easy, what's next? So somewhere on that spectrum is all of our relationship with God. What God has to do is be able to produce, he has to be able to show you things about your relationship with him and your ministry that have not yet been presented. I don't know why we reach a point in our relationship with God where many Christians think that just because they've come through or lived through or somehow reached something, they now have a complete and full understanding and they think like God. The principles are clear in the Bible. Your ways will not be my ways. Your thoughts will not be my thoughts. I can always take you to a new experience where you will gain new anointings, where you have a new appreciation, and then you have to be ready to take all of the natural blessings with those experiences. And Paul said, I forgot them all. I forgot all my training. I count them but dung. I continue to press toward the mark. So you have to understand the reality of having a prayer life. The reality of having a prayer life is you will constantly need to pray because once you achieve in Christ, there's a whole different level of achievement that comes after that experience. Once you've been saved, once you've worked in a ministry, once you've worked with people, once you've figured out the way to do ministry really well here, God will use that if you present yourself in prayer to push you. You don't have to die in the wilderness. You have to be moving towards the promise. Prayer will always light a fire under you. So prayer is grounded in the realistic. Praying in the flesh becomes hyper-spiritual and detached. See the difference? When I'm hyper-spiritual, I now tell God what's going to happen. I now tell God exactly the way that things should work. Why? Because I'm hyper-spiritual. I'm detached from bigger goals. I'm comfortable where I am. I'm not ready to move. We read it in the Bible. Jonah was like, I'm not going there. 
Jonah told God, I am not going there to preach to those people. There are, there are so many, so many examples in the scripture where Peter said, that's just not going to happen. I've got the relationship that makes me happy. There are so many examples in the scripture. Peter said, I'm going to come out and walk on the water. We applaud that. That's what we, some people say, well, that was wonderful of Peter. No, Peter sank. The boat is where you are safe. Jesus was coming to the boat. Peter had to do something different because he was afraid. And then he found out that he couldn't hold on to his focus. He couldn't focus on the spiritual and hold on to his knowledge of the natural in that moment. So one of those things had to go. He didn't know Jesus well enough to figure out that he could walk on water the whole distance, but he knew what water did he spent his whole life on that boat on that ship and he knew in that moment that the storm was getting boisterous he began to sink if you stay in the places that God wants you to stay in and you're prayerfully focused on him rescuing you he will come to you and bring you to a place where you can continue to do the ministry so prayer is always rooted in the real that is why if things are not working out Stop blaming everybody and everything. Stop blaming the devil. He's not that smart. He's smarter than you, but he's not smarter than the spirit that is in you. Be patient. Ask God to show you what it is you have not seen. It doesn't matter if you've been doing it for a long time. It doesn't matter if you have a lot of experience. None of these things matter. Prayer always is grounded in the real, in the, it's real time. It means what's happening now matters. I'll read to you the scriptures. Praying in the spirit is rooted in the realistic Colossians chapter two, verse six. The Bible says, as ye have therefore received Christ Jesus, the Lord, so walk with him rooted and built up in him. The roots go in him and it grows to new experiences and be established in the faith. It doesn't say be established in the works. It doesn't say be established in the idea. It doesn't say be established in the relationship. It says your roots should be able to push through your hard times and have you established in your faith. So you should always believe that you can pray in real time and get real results because, oh, look at that phrase that comes up next. You have been taught. See, see what happens? You have been taught. It didn't come from you. You have been taught. You have people, so God has put people in your life. God has let you see the things that you couldn't see before. It is important that we respect prayer and teaching going together. You will pray and God will bring things into your life that you're not familiar with experiences that are beyond your understanding. It says that is how we abound, meaning we keep bouncing back in thanksgiving. Praying in the flesh is detached and hyper-spiritual. So the prayer focus should come from Matthew 6, 7. Watch. Here's one of those scriptures that we often overlook, but it has to be stated here, people of God. Matthew 6 and 7. When you pray, Stop using vain repetitions, meaning stop looking for success because you keep asking the same things. You don't have to ask God things all the time the same way. What you have to do is keep showing up 
and asking God to show you what you haven't seen before. Jesus said it. He said, the widow that troubles me, I'm going to make a move because that widow's always troubling me. But that's not his point. His point isn't about the widow. His point is that the widow troubles the judge. So while judgment is happening, if you read that, if you read that story, he said the widow is always troubling the judge. Judge means judgment, wisdom. The widow's not troubling the rich guy asking for money. The widow's not troubling the, 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 the doctor asking for medicine. The widow is looking for justice and troubling the judge. So when you're ready to be judged, by the content of your request, God will answer and give you all of the knowledge that you need to move forward. So he says, when you pray, don't use vain repetitions as the heathen does, for they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. Be not, the, be not ye therefore like unto them, for your father already knows what you need before you ask him. Look at how powerful prayer is in the real. That is what I'm explaining here tonight. And I'm praying that it touches your spirit. Prayer should be regular. Prayer should respect grace and prayer has to be real. It has to be rooted in the agenda in your life and the purpose that God has put in your spirit. In between those two, all of the experiences that you will need to build your relationship with God will come forward. You will never become so equal to God that you now understand his thought process. You will always pray and ask God to show you what it is that you cannot see. That is because Jesus provides us with the ability to balance our human nature and our spiritual responsibilities. Isn't that a blessing? He, he gives us the power to balance human nature and spiritual responsibilities. Now watch this. I want you to go to I John chapter 2 verse 15 and listen to the command that comes out of this great writer's mouth. He tells us, John the Apostle says, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. So he is warning us against developing a passion for becoming comfortable and prosperous in the world without taking into consideration our spiritual purpose. It is a warning. God will provide you with the resources that are needed to meet your ministry. Your ministry's already above your legacy. So what God gives you in your ministry will cover you in your life. So there's already prosperity mixed in. You don't have to ask him. There's already growth and development. God can teach you anything that you want to learn. He says, don't fall in love with the world. Don't let the world set your agenda. He says in verse 16, for all that is in the world, all of the things that you're trying to do to make the world a better place for human flesh, they're not from the Father. He says, they are from the lust of the flesh. Make the world a better place. That's simple. Let's all go to church and call in the name of Jesus. I don't care how much clean air you have. I just, that, that's not going to help us get to heaven. I think if we all go to church, we might have a greater respect for the world that we live in, but that is still, we're not here to save the world. 
We're here to save people that want to come out of the world and into salvation. The world has already been judged. You know, you can do as much good work as you can. Work real hard and see how many pages of Revelation get erased. I don't care how many laws you create. I don't care how many people you vote in the office. You can vote them all in and every day until the day they try, which they can't because they can't put the spirit and the human nature together. You can't legislate and make me be saved. You can't create a law that says I have to be baptized. You can't create a law that says I have to have the spirit of God. All I can do is fall in love with Jesus Christ myself because I got on my knees and I said, Lord, I need you when you pray and ask Jesus said I will reveal it ask I will give it to you knock the door shall be opened you can't make a law that makes me want God so here in the scripture he's saying it's not about trying to make the world a better place it's about trying to make what Jesus Christ has done on Calvary uh, the only option I was gonna say a better option but the best option if we make that our purpose all the other things will come into play. The love that we have for one another will come into play. You'll see all this discrimination, greed, poverty. You'll see lasciviousness, disease. It will all come down. Even to the point where once it's where it ought to be, Jesus Christ is coming back and taking the church out of the world in the last days anyway. And when the church leaves the world in the rapture, we all know that love will be gone. The Christian love. The love of Christ will be gone from the earth for a season while we're getting our judgments. That's a lesson for another day, but let me continue to read the scripture as we're running out of time here. It says, and you got to be careful of the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. None of these things are from the father, but these things are of the world and the world will pass away and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of my father, isn't that what the word says? He that doeth the will of God abideth forever. That's powerful. What a powerful statement when you pray regularly. What a powerful statement when you respect grace and you have a repentant readiness and you pray in the real. This is the life that I live. These are the temptations that I face. This is the real world here. I'm not better than anyone. I can't turn off life, turn off my eyes, turn off my ears. I can regulate and monitor, but this is the world that I live in. I need to look for people that I can draw to Christ. And then he says in verse 18, little children, it is the last time. And ye have heard that the antichrist shall come. Even now there are many antichrists whereby we know that we are in the last days because there are many antichrists and they all are saying that their religion is going to make you rich or their religion is going to make you powerful or this religion is the religion that's going to make the world better. If we all did this, if we all did that, that is the spirit of the antichrist. You you have to follow your own relationship with Jesus Christ. You have to be baptized because you repent of your sins. You have to ask God to receive the spirit so that you can do the work that he assigned you to do. No law can make you do that. That's not biblical. Then he writes in verse 19, a lot of people, they went out from among us, but they were never with us in the first place. They carry the title or the tag Christian, but they went out so that they could make manifest that they were different from what Christ was trying to do. 
They wanted to, to show you that, listen, Jesus Christ, he may have spent time with the poor. He may have spent time doing these things, but you don't have to do that. You make sure that you stay in your lane and those people over there stay in their lane. And there's no division in the body of Christ. There's no better or worse in the body of Christ. We are all working together in the body of Christ. And then he says in verse 20, because you have an unction that comes from the Holy Spirit. See, we're right back up top with that prayer. Your unction comes from the Holy Spirit. So let me conclude with these three points here. First, prayer will set the agenda in every season of your life when you're a, a good Christian. Prayer will set the agenda in every season. You yeah, go to college, but you, if you pray every day, God will give you an agenda while you're away at college. Go to work. Yep, you're working in an environment. It's not the church environment. It's not a sanctified environment, but God will give you an agenda, how to be an example, how to win souls to Christ while you are there working at that job. Why? Because prayer brings revelation, responsibility, and reward. And so when you start with the revelation and the responsibility you take up, you will get the reward and it empowers you to stay focused in your next cycle of seasonal events. Prayer will remove fear and provide objectives with Christian faith. Prayer, you know, we gotta be careful because prayer works with Christian faith. I believe I can fly and the greatest love of all they are great songs, but they're not prayerful songs because I believe I can fly is not in the Bible. And, and the greatest love of all is not inside of you. It happened to Calvary. Now, I, I'm not saying that they're not awesome, natural songs, but they're not biblical songs. They're not the purpose of prayer. Prayer is not here to elevate you naturally. Prayer is here to use you spiritually. So what happens? It will remove the fears that you have about yourself and provide you with objectives in faith. You will understand the power of discernment over desperation. Discernment. This is what I'm here to do for the Lord. Desperation. Lord, please don't let this happen. That is what prayer will do. It will give you discernment over desperation. And finally, prayer will train our thought process to be patient and visionary. Prayer provides peace. Peace is the establishment of one thought in one mind. When you're not at peace, when you're acting crazy, it means you have two thoughts going through one mind. And then James said, double-minded people are unstable in all of their ways. So prayer gives you a thought process. It trains your thought process. So people that pray, they don't get shaken easily. They don't get discouraged easily. It takes a lot. It takes, it, there's some trauma, there's some drama. It all comes with life and with seasons. But prayer has taught me that the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Prayer has taught me that the peace of God will pass my human understanding. So prayer will teach me to be patient and live with a vision. That's why they said in the Old Testament, write the vision and make it plain 
so that when you see your purpose, you will run and not get weary. Peace is a part of the prayer, the process of going through what it is you need to go through will lead you to the progress that God has ordained for your life. So my closing remarks to you are to continue to remember that prayer sets the agenda. Prayer removes fear and provides Christian faith and prayer will train your thought to have a process that produces patience and vision in the name of Jesus Christ. We hope you've enjoyed this lesson on prayer and we're encouraging you to read these scriptures. Uh, we have the scriptures that we, we can send out a handout. We're going to send it out and blast email to everybody. So take it, read through the scriptures, read through these points and God willing, we'll see you again next week. If the Lord is still allowing us to fellowship together on this earth, we will do what is needed what, what we have prepared ourselves to do to present another series of lessons to you come from the Mission Church of Christ. God bless you. We love you. You are in our prayers and you should know that that makes a difference. In Jesus' name, amen.